cozy sound booth in downtown Chicago that's apparently a little hotter today than it's been in previous weeks. It's the American Soccer Show. Eric Alcantar here with Emmett McConnell, here to talk all things soccer in America. 46 goals were scored this weekend in this beautiful country. Somehow, not a single one of those goals was scored by the Philadelphia Union as they were one of five teams that was also shut out. So five shutouts in a weekend with 46 goals. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? For what for the team that is the second most shots after Sporting Kansas City, I'm actually not surprised that they got shut out. I'm not surprised. You're not surprised? Uh, I, they surprise me every week, I guess, if I'm being <laughs> honest. <laughs> You were uh, you were a big fan of this weekend because it felt like just one very long match, one after another, because of the uh, what are the Adidas the Adidas jerseys? parlay jerseys. Am I saying that right? Parlay. Parlay. Yeah. Parlay. So. Uh, the parlay jerseys uh, is an Earth because it was Earth Day this past weekend, so it was um, a nice initiative. Earth Day should be every day. Yeah, with support our Mother Earth. Uh, as an initiative for Earth Day, the jerseys are made for recycled ocean plastic, which I thought was pretty cool, but it meaning there's no color on them. So they're all either charcoal, gray, or white. And the only difference between the jerseys were the crests and the sponsors. But, you know, from you know, your bird's eye view watching the game, you can barely tell. So it just felt like one long game to me. Yeah, and it was like, really they, weird. Everything like, just blends together. Couldn't differentiate the games. I might just be, like, kind of, like, feeble-minded or something. But it was, like, very difficult for me. It feels like this weekend just went by in a hurry. Plenty of MLS action to get to, including the biggest games, the Rocky Mountain Cup that I could barely watch because of ESPN+. Plus. Thank you for that. We'll also give the people what they want, more CONCACAF Champions League, as the second leg of the final is tonight. Maybe a little Serie A, too. If, you're, you know, if they play their cards right, we'll give yeah, them a little we'll, treat. We'll see. All right, we'll start off on Friday night. Sporting Kansas City 6, Vancouver Whitecaps 0. The two red cards are definitely a point of discussion in this game, but Sporting was already up 3-0. They already had... They, it wasn't like... Vancouver looked like they were going to come back. Sporting was dominating. At that point, it was just like, it felt bad for them. It almost like, you know what, Vancouver, just pack it in and just go home. Uh, but after such a massive win against Western Conference, you know, rivals, another team that's been atop the table, are they a favorite for the West this year? I would say so. At this point, it's hard for me to argue for anybody else just because I don't know that there's anybody as complete. We talked about Sporting Kansas City has been leaking goals more often than we would have ever expected this season, but they keep winning. And now we're starting to see the defense is starting to settle in a little bit. You see they've shut out Vancouver, who is a bit toothless in the offensive third of Without the Kai field. Kamara injured. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, you know, perfect, let's say, but let's be honest with ourselves. Who can you find in that conference that has as much playmakers, as many finishers at goal? I mean, again, this team is starting Kyrie Shelton as their number nine. And I'm not high on him myself, but he's getting the job done and – that's and again, that's a I would say an average MLS striker. So they're getting the goals and they're finding ways to score without really a, a force up front. Absolutely, he's kind of like a support striker. He just he makes runs. He's very unselfish. Uh, I was looking back on it. In the last four games, they've had three shutouts. So they've, they've tightened things up a little bit. Though the two goals came against Seattle. Uh, it looks like they're starting to turn things around. But I mean. You, know, you look at Kyrie Shelton, he doesn't really need to perform when he's got guys like Felipe Gutierrez, Johnny Russell had a hat trick that game. Hey, Johnny Russell's been phenomenal. Oh, my God. Newcomer of the year so far, I think. Yeah, it's, it's got, definitely going to be in his... It's in the bag right now, I think. Yeah, it's well. this way. But even like guys like Johan Quaze, who's uh, been you know underwhelming for some fans, but you can tell how technical he is on the ball and how impressive he is. He doesn't really give it up. He's very tidy in possession. I, I got to give this morning. They might have the team of the toughest to pronounce names. Johan Quaze... <laughs> Daniel Shallowy, Ilya Sanchez, who uh, we're always reminded is a uh, La Maicia product. Um, but across the board, they're probably the strongest team in each position. 
I want each position individually, but as a whole. Yeah, it's. I mean, you mentioned the, the the name Hall of Fame that they might be winning this season. The save. There's a save early in this one by Tim Melia. You know, at the beginning of the season when we were oh talking about the best God. goalies in MLS. That one got me going. That's that, that was incredible. It's a great save, and the game can go very differently if Jordi Reyna finishes that right because you know it's the old cliche goals change games. But let's be honest ourselves, it totally would have right. Maybe not, maybe not the result overall, but at six nothing. Obviously, it would give Vancouver a goal, but it probably would have given them a little more fight. Butterfly effect. I don't know if you would have seen those red cards. Yeah, I was going to say Yordi Reyna maybe doesn't get sent off. Yeah, listen, I, I that's a phenomenal save, but I still think Yordi Reyna from that position where he shoots it should score it. Looks like he kind of hits it back post by accident, which gives Amelia a chance to get to it. And I guess I'm kind of breaking this down a little too far, but he's got to score that. <laughs> the people come for the tactical analysis. They stay yeah. for the they stay for the funny commentary, <laughs> the whole banter. But uh, did they deserve cr- to get sent off? So do you think? We, we talked about this a little bit. I think that the referee has every ability to do that, given the rules in the game. Uh, I'm going to think specifically for the uh, the hands to the face from uh, Juarez. It was looked accidental. I don't think he was meaning to push Johnny Russell in the face, but it was just lean a little scuffle. His hands go up and push Johnny Russell in the face. We saw the Jermaine Jones in the Copa America Centenario against Ecuador. He doesn't mean to do it, but the ref can and should give a red card for that, I think. The, the throwdown is a little bit more obvious. And listen, I'd be fine if those were two yellow cards. I'd say, oh, you know, maybe they got off a little easy. Now I'm going to say, oh, yeah, they got off a little rough. But it's, he has every right to, to make that call. I would I would agree with that. I think if they had come back with two yellow cards, I would have lived with it. And maybe just one red. I don't know that both guys did enough. I guess maybe their cumulative actions equal a red card, just one. And I would say Reyna probably is the one that has to get it. But That wasn't the most heinous thing I think we've seen any weekend, really. No, this wasn't that bad. I think, I mean, I'm happy... I'm happy VAR is, again, trying to crack down on these incidents where guys are you know, throwing hands and they're striking other players. That does need to go away, and I'm glad that there is you know, the eye in the sky, so to speak. To just, I mean, Because maybe it'll calm people down, like, oh, they're going to start getting in the pile. Maybe everybody will just back off. And they've had these initiatives in the past. Uh, it was either last year or two years ago where the referees decided that they're going to really crunch down on red cards. If you go studs up at all, on a challenge at high or all, at all, as many red cards in the beginning of the season, we saw so many red cards. And it seems like maybe that's a bit of initiative now with VAR, that they're willing to go to that. They're willing to give reds? Give because... reds, you know, maybe not the right way of using it, but posthumously. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we saw Cummings get a red card after the game against the Union. So yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a theme through this year. We'll move on to Saturday's action. Montreal Impact 3, LAFC 5. So the Impact, uh, we we did not say the nicest things about them last week, and then they got off to that big start. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Now i got to come back and say, well, see, but things change week to week. And they proceed to blow a 3-1 lead, get beaten 5-3 at home. Uh, I think it's safe to say the Impact might be in shambles at this point because Piatti gets a hat trick in the first half, and somehow his team not only loses but in spectacular fashion. I will. I've seen Impact fans talk about that they feel they've been slighted by referees this season. You know, Tidare getting uh, sent off. Mm-hmm. We talked about a couple weeks ago. And we see that uh, the penalties that LAFC were granted in this game. One of them that Bush was able to save. I look. I'm. I, I can go back and look again, but I've I've seen some of the questionable calls they're upset about. And, and just in this game, I, I'm of the opinion that when you give up five goals, nobody to blame but yourself. I don't care what the referee did beforehand. You you are in control. I, you a, the ref a, doesn't force five goals. I, if I can poke a few loopholes in that, if the, if the referee is actually just giving, like, 
absurd calls. There is just like five penalties that are undeserved. Do, do you I think agree. it was? I'm just gonna say, do you think it's that egregious? I mean, I'm gonna nitpick. Okay. So no, it. I so the the last penalty, the one that kind of was the decider. I've been talking so well of him all year, Daniel Lovitz. He had a pretty good game outside of this. Uh, your boy. He takes down Diego Rossi. It's a foul. I think he kind of just is a, was a little rash. I think the whole defense was a little antsy and not really settled. They never didn't look like they were going to keep the the lead. I don't think they thought they were going to keep the lead. And then so you have you have a team that's playing not to lose, and you have an LAFC team that literally believes they can win any game that they're in because of that attacking uh, trident up front that they have. And I'm surprised they're. I look at someone like Samuel Piet. I think he's a pretty talented defensive midfielder. He's Canadian international, starts for them. He, he hasn't really impressed me this season. When we talk about that that team, obviously Ignacio Piatti is one of the better players in the league. But that midfield really needs to step up and protect that defense, given that it lost the experience of Lawrence Simon. Who scored an incredible goal on a yeah, free kick. against his old team. Did you pick him up in MLS Fantasy? Because you know those revenge games are important. I did not. I could have told can you, you that. Can you guess who I had from that game? What position? Just guess. Just, it's the worst possible scenario. Cabrera? Absolutely. Minus four <laughs> points for me. Decent <laughs> oh week other than that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I will say the red on Cabrera I thought was harsh. I, I, will, I will give the impact fans that. That's I thought a, it was harsh. That's a long time to defend with 10 men. It is. And so, again, self-destruction, credit to LAFC for believing in it, in themselves, to get this result. Latif Blessing comes off the bench and does exactly, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn here for the tactics that I've been asking for uh, Bob Bradley to implement. Have you been texting him recently? Yeah, maybe, because he's uh, Latif Blessing moves to the bench, and it's not that I have anything against Latif Blessing. I just think that at this stage of his career, his best role is super sub. And in this game, he comes on, he made an immediate impact. Yeah. It, it, no pun intended. Oh, but he was perfect, right, for that role. Impact, retired, down to 10 men. And you just bring this guy on with unlimited pace. Yeah, and, and he, it was going to be hard for anyone to keep up with him. You know you're going to get fouls because of that. You know you're going to get a lot of wing play. Uh, and people get drawn out to him because uh, they're trying to, you know, one man gets beaten, another gets drawn out, and then space opens elsewhere. Yeah. So you got this one right, Art. Don't let it get to your head. <laughs> I won't. I won't. And uh, we talked about this one a little bit last week when we were talking about the Champions League, but Houston Dynamo 5, Toronto FC 1. The Houston uh, the story here, the Houston Dynamo absolutely destroyed Toronto's B team, some C players. Honestly, I wouldn't take too much out of this result because we all know who played in this game. That said, I, I think the discussion should be more about where are we as a league where, because teams, if you haven't noticed, the reason that Toronto hasn't been playing some weekends isn't just because the schedule worked out that way because of the uneven amount of teams. It's also because teams have been willing to reschedule games against Toronto. Now, this is a decision that has to be approved by Toronto, obviously, who would love to have the opportunity every time. The team they're playing against and then MLS. Now, MLS, because they technically own all the teams, right, they obviously will agree if both teams agree that... So Houston decides not to do it for this one, and they uh, they get their three points. They get their goal difference up. Are you uh, where are you on this issue? I mean, why would Houston want to reschedule this? People argue that the attendance won't be as high because they'll know the fans will know that there will be less good players on the other team. So I think of it this way: if you're like a diehard fan and you know that they're not that Toronto won't be starting their players, you're probably also a fan who's more willing to show up to games and has season tickets. If you're not as much of a diehard fan, maybe you could say you get tricked into going, thinking, oh, you know, Josie Alter, Michael Bradley, Sebastian Giovinco are going to be there. I, I should go to this game. And then you go and you find out that it's, you know, it's like their, their young team. That said, 
we look over at UEFA, they don't really reschedule games. The only thing that they give is if you're in Europa League, you don't play on Saturday, you play on Sunday, which I think is reasonable because that gives you a one-day rest. Now you get at least two. It, like, it, that's the kind of the challenge that the Champions League gives you, though, is you're saying, okay, I'm this good of a team, I can play in the international competition and compete domestically. It comes back to bite some teams. We saw West Ham and Everton relatively recently flounder under the uh, playing in both competitions, but that's kind of the risk you take. you got to have depth. I, the thing I will say is that it is a little different in terms of travel because in Europe, the distance between country to country is nearly the same as Toronto to Mexico is not exactly next so, door. So it makes playing on the road so difficult. I mean, that's that's a pretty far trip. And for people that want to talk about, you know, Liga Mackey's teams used to play in Copa Libertadores before the schedules changed and they stopped kind of lining up. Those were some horrifying away trips. And yet Liga Mackey's teams never really complained about it. Uh, to be fair, they were invited. So, I mean, I guess for them to complain would be a little ridiculous. My point is just to say that while I do understand that people, you know, are like I think the league is kind of getting soft, like trying to really push for this, and then by rescheduling entire yeah. matches, like yeah, I'm I don't love it. And if a team shouldn't really want to, I don't understand. I'm with you on that. Houston I'm, should never. Houston want to. should not have any reason to do this. Like, doesn't I, directly benefit. Them. Everybody kind of goes with, oh, we're all in this together. Well, listen, I we can all be in this together all we want, but at the end of the day, if I'm the general manager, I'm the owner, I'm the coach, I'm the players. I want to win. And I want to make the play. Can you imagine if Houston reschedules this game and then later in the season they they go back and they say, well, that was a guaranteed three points and we let it walk out the door and they miss the playoffs by three points? Yeah, the league isn't going to come help you then. They're not going to say, oh, well, you know what, we'll give you... Here's we'll, a couple points. Yeah, yeah. here's a couple no. points. No, that's not going to happen. I Fair play to Houston. I, think I agree. They deserve, they, they deserve that. They should be able to make these types of decisions. And I fully respect them for it. I'd like to bring one thing to the table, though. We saw uh, one other team you know, big-time team like Atlanta go lose 4 nothing in Houston. Signs pointing to for Toronto. Same thing, maybe, after this kind <laughs> a, of... A, a renaissance after this? Well, look, again, like I said, it's just... I mean, full team there's a after. huge... I mean, there are players on this team, and I, I have no shame in saying this. I have never heard of some of these people. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not taking anything out of this game. We'll but, take... We'll uh, go over now to the New York Red Bulls versus the Chicago Fire. The Fire took a trip to New Jersey. Beat them 2-1. How about that? The fire of another victory. Yeah, not again. Once, not really their best game. Once again. Yeah, it wasn't. But they get their second win. It wasn't of the pretty. Season. But I, we talked about it too. Like I'm okay with the fire if they want to just go out and win games like this because clearly the possession and looking, making it look nice wasn't working. So if you tell I'm me, I'm down with this. We're, we're just gonna go out and win games, but you know, it's gonna be ugly. Don't worry what it looks like. Yeah, go hey. out, go out and win games. That's that's the only part of that sentence that matters to me. <laughs> There's an old saying in fantasy football that um, there are players that are only good in garbage time, but because you know it only takes five or six good plays to have a good fantasy day, the the, the saying goes, you don't have to watch the games. Uh, now, if you're a fan of the team, you probably will want to watch them. But the the point is, the results are the results, and I I will say that it was nice to see the fire finally get. Alexander Katai going. Hopefully this is more of a trend than just kind of a blip on the radar. He scores that great volley for the first goal. I mean, you know. Potential goal of the week candidate. Yeah, I think so. And then Richard Sanchez. I, I We were critical, me, me more so, I think, of him. Uh, for now, I think he's earned my respect. And as the number one goalie on the team, I think I'm okay with it for now. He, I think he's just gotten better and better. I think he's gotten a longer leash with me because, you know, early in the season he was coming off his line. He was kind of flying around. He looked a little bit unsure of himself. 
he had a, a masterful. I couldn't ask anything more of him mm-hmm. on Saturday. So, and I think it's with the game before that at LA, he, you know, there's nothing you could do on the goal. But other than that, he, you know, he played a strong game. He didn't he put did. a foot wrong. He, it looks like he's really growing into the role. He's gotten more comfortable. He's making these better saves, showing his quality. I mean, he was a, a fairly highly regarded goalkeeper coming out of the Mexican youth system. So, I can see where the where the signing would have come from, right? Because I mean, you know, we talk about busts all the time. Somewhere in there was some talent, right? And sometimes it's just a matter of maybe the right coaching, maybe just time. I mean, look, we talked about he had little MLS experience before this. Hey, he's gotten his opportunity, and now he's starting to run with it. And we, we talk about it again again. He's gaining the fire points here, and that's, for a goalkeeper, such a big boost to your team. When you can go into Red Bull Arena against a team that plays really high energy and give your team your bo- a boost like that, making saves like that, it's it's so important for that team to, to get that extra push. And especially when you're stopping goals. That game could have been 3-2, you know, 2-2, and the Fire lose two points. The Fire did also points. have opportunities, too. So, yeah, I think that it was the, the goalkeepers kept it closer than... Luis Robles kept, is established yes. one of the best goalkeepers in the league. So, uh, But, you know, forget Iker Casillas, man. This <laughs> I guy, will say, perhaps, perhaps Sanchez has heard the Casillas rumors and has really stepped up his game. Look... That is one thing that we we always talk about, too, is the idea of competition. And while, yes, Iker Casillas is not on the fire at this particular moment in time, I will like to point out that I'm sure Richard Sanchez reads those articles that say, oh, the yeah. fire are desperate for a goalkeeper, and thinks, no, no, they're not. I'm here. I'm doing an all right job, yeah. Yeah, so I, my congratulations to Sanchez, and I, I continue. I hope that he does continue to build on this because it looks like to me he's got a really solid foundation to work with. I, I agree. Uh, moving along to uh, your favorite, Orlando City 3, San Jose Earthquakes 2. Almost threw that one away. <laughs> now nah, that second goal came in like stoppage time. I don't I don't know that the result was ever in doubt necessarily here, but it's yeah. the fourth straight win for Orlando City. Three straight games with a goal for Chris Muller, who I think he's starting to make a strong case for Rookie of the Year, not just because of the goals, but, I mean, this guy, he gets on the field and every time he's out there. It looks like he's making a pretty large impact. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't think we're seeing even that many other rookies playing that often this year. I mean, look at the number one overall pick, John Muccino, hasn't really been uh, that big of an impact for uh, Los Angeles. So I, I'm with you. Could be a rookie. It's early, though. It so is extremely early, but, early. I mean, look, these types of players, they don't, you know, the, people say, oh, the league will figure him out. Well, it's possible that they do, and, you know, he's not, obviously, he's not going to keep scoring every time. He, you know, he's scored in three straight games now. He's obviously not going to score every time he's in the game, but that's the kind of impact player that a team like Orlando City really needs, too, because, you know, they, they've built sort of their, their, their high-end players. They have their middle-of-the-road players. Now they need the role players to come through and deliver results on a day like today or on a day like Saturday where... Orlando City needed all three goals that they had in the end because San Jose was able to get two. And then Orlando team has some good attacking talents that can play in that position. I know Justin Merrim's a left winger, but then you have Yotun who kind of wants to move out to the wing. So and it, Dom Dwyer. He's play, but he's playing striker. I Go know ahead. Muller is a striker. Oh, but okay, uh, he's playing saying. on the right oh, yeah. wing. Right, right. But, uh, and his work rate has been, I think, what keeps him in it. So, so here's the thing, though. I don't see. Orlando keeping this up. I know you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna hate me for this, but oh, we look no. at Dwyer's past seasons. How many times has he exceeded 15 goals? It's not that common. I know he's back in Orlando where he kind of made his start. Question hasn't. Uh, listen, he's one of my favorite players in the league. So great to watch, but you know he's gonna drop off eventually. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. Uh, so you're being a hater. Got it. I mean, 
I'm just I'm I'm being doubtful, I'm being skeptical. That's fair. I I I understand where you're coming from on that. I mean, just to give you an idea, you know, they're going up against the Rapids this coming weekend, then their next game is against Real Salt Lake. You know, two decent opponents, but Tough nothing I don't think. Well, no, Orlando City will host the second one. Sorry yeah, about that. Of course. That. Yeah. So, uh, so got listen, a chance to keep this up. With what they're showing here, I think they're definitely a shout for the playoffs. Uh, but again, they're... Well, with how weak the East is kind of turning out to be at the bottom, I think they should hopefully be able to continue yeah. racking up points there. Should be a good shout, um, but... The, the one thing that I'm worried about is the team that really hasn't played together a lot, so it's, it's a good sign that they're doing so well now. They're gelling. Yeah, they're gelling well, but what point do they face that adversity? They face some attrition, and things don't really go their way. You know, that'll show their character, and that's when I'll start being sold, is when they can get... And I think this was actually a pretty decent test giving up those two goals, is how do they bounce back from that? It will be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. Columbus Crew 2, New England Revolution 2. It's a weird game where four goals were scored in the first half and then none came in the second, so interesting. Looked like two teams that were, I mean, I don't want to say happy with the 2-2, but they... they you can live with that, especially if the Revolution having to go to Columbus. Yeah, good result for New England. Columbus still kind of, you know, struggling. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of struggling. as two teams that will make the playoffs. Oh. If I'm being honest. I didn't want to cut you off, but I've, I'm so eager to get to this one. Yeah. I don't, speaking of, of struggling, get the Philadelphia the Union lose to FC Dallas 2-0. At least Andre Blake had a good game. When doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you, you were not a fan of the penalty call on Trusty. Am I interpreting your tweets correctly? Yeah. I, listen, I maybe have been got a little bit overzealous <laughs> with uh, shouting that out so quickly. I can see why it's a foul call. I think that, that as a penalty... It's soft, and if you give that, there should have been like ten penalties this week. Because all he re- like, <laughs> did okay, you really yeah. need more goals? Come on, uh, not in this game, <laughs> not in any game. Uh, but it, it, I think that's such a difficult call for a referee to, to make, and I'm I'm impressed that a ref that he could make that call uh, because he I mean he has his arms around him a little bit. He's not completely hugging him, but there's contact. His arms are on him. He's got trust. He got wrong side. That's the toughest part for that uh, for him there, and why I think the call is okay. But it's it's one of those things that whenever you see it called, you say, okay, now let's start seeing it more. You know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It was soft, but um, unless, like I said, FC Dallas, uh, I think they're starting to come into their own a they little bit the themselves. Team. You know, Kaelin Acosta will be coming back from injury soon. Yeah, they're missing like. a couple players. They're actually, I perhaps pro. Uh, Primed, that's the word I'm thinking of, to make a run, perhaps. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Union last time they went there two years ago was, was also uh, didn't really have a great game. And they're terrible on the road, so I had pretty low expectations <laughs> going into this. I can, that, I can see that. that. I expected more for some reason. <laughs> well, we'll keep visiting back the Union every week to see if maybe one week they'll get some Emmett something to smile about. You can't say it right now, but I'm still no, smiling. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's a, he's a masochist. That's why he roots for the Union. Why else would you? Yeah, that's fair. Real Salt Lake 3, Colorado Rapids 0. It was the Rocky Mountain Cup that I was really excited to actually watch, and then I had to find an outside stream for because apparently ESPN was cutting out every time I loaded the page. I want a refund. It's, it's still the free trial period, right? Yes, I my I got my 30-day free trial because Emmett didn't listen to me. For those of you listening and have, you know, kind of Actually been, listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> actually listen to me. If you remember, I told Emmett that... You can get a 30-day free trial, but only if you sign up within the first week. So later, he goes back and says, oh, my free trial was only for seven days. Did I miss something? Yeah, apparently. So if any of you find yourselves tuning out during this podcast, apparently it's fine because then it also does not listen to this well, podcast. So, so here, give me credit here. 
perhaps I was only doing it because I wanted to support a great streaming service and didn't want to mooch off of it. Really? So you took a seven-day free trial instead of a 30? I said perhaps. I didn't say that's why it happened. Well, you know what? You got some lame excuses, amigo. Uh, Tim Howard got sent off in this one for a handball outside the box in the 20th minute. I want to get your quick thoughts on that. Have you seen it, the handball? It was questionable. Uh... I have some personal feelings about this because... <laughs> the goalkeeper's union? Because it happened have... to me. Oh. Do we, do we want a story time? I think you could tell a story. It's fine. I mean, just uh, let's get... We can get the game out of the way. Sure. So that, because, I mean, we've already delayed it once because of the ESPN Plus thing. So, I mean, you know, I thought Colorado defended really well for about 80 minutes. Tommy Smith gets a hand... Now, I want to say this, too. I don't want to have a debate about this, but Tommy Smith, that handball in the box... I mean, he clearly swings at the ball. So my question is, how is that not a red? Like, I understand we're trying to be, like, you know, nice about it. And I know he doesn't really mean to just go swiping at it because he knows that's a futile attempt to clear the ball. But he swings his arm at it. Come on. If that, if Tim Howard's is a red card, I think Tommy Smith also has to be sent off. Because it's in an unnatural position and it's making a movement towards the ball. That's, you know, classic. It's, it's classic, ridiculous. Classic, classic, classic handball decision. Yeah, so, and then Joe Plata scores the penalty, and it all, sorts, it all really just kind of fell apart for the Rapids after that. It was a great free kick as well for the third goal by Albert Rusnak. Made it 3-0 and really put the icing on it. So a big win for Real Salt Lake over King their rivals. Kings of the Rocky Mountains. Yes, Kings of the Rocky Mountains Until for now. So, back to Emmett McConnell, the goalkeeper's union, a handball outside the box for a red card. Now, be gentle with this because it's still a sore subject. Okay. Um, we're going to start at the very beginning. I was in college at Wesleyan, playing Trinity College, both Connecticut, so, uh, you know, vicinity rivals. We're playing on a uh, turf field. Ugh. It's not really rainy, actually, but uh, there's thunder. And after going up one nothing, it's the 55th minute in the second half, uh, the game gets uh, postponed. Uh, so we're waiting, we're waiting for this thunder to die down. It's really far away. You, you can't even really hear it, but you can see the flashes. That's how far away it is. And eventually gets called. And in NCAA rules, if it gets called before the 60th minute, or 60 to 70th minute, it has to be replayed. Anything after that is game, Ouch. set, match. They couldn't just go out there for five minutes and just say, okay. Yeah, I don't have anything metal on me. It's on turf. It should be fine. No metal studs. Oh, my goodness. And second game out, first half. Guy gets played it on goal. Me being the uh, eager beaver that I am, I'm, I rush out. I realize very early that I'm not going to get there, but it's too late to go back. <laughs> so I come out. He's, you know, about five feet away from me. And he tried, he, he's going for a lob. I can see that pretty early. So I jump. And I kind of, my hands go up, but they're still in front of my body, right? So it's not like my hands are down by my side. They're up, but they're still in front of my body. And the ball hits my arm. And the referee calls a foul. He makes an idea, makes a decision, gives me the red card, oh. which I was upset about because I get hands are up, but the ball first of all wasn't going in. Guy shot it terribly. I was, I was out of position. <laughs> oh, so, okay. <laughs> and well, because he curled it, so I could, okay. it was pretty obvious that he shot it at the goal, but he curled it. It was going to go out. And you know, I thought it could have been a yellow. Defenders winning it back. I was like, to be honest, I was like thirty five yards out. After my coach oh, was like, my goodness, what, what are you doing that far out? I was like, I thought I could get it. I didn't actually, but. Anyway. 17 um, yards outside the 18-yard ball. We end up losing 2-1 in that game. Um, and it, it still kind of irked me because my hands were, like, in front of my body, right, protecting my face. Like, you can you can kind of see if, like, it's like the reaction of, like, no, not the face. When so the Mochino like, from last week. 
where he's in the wall and he kind of his hand comes up because it's out of kind of natural defense. Yeah, because you don't want to get nailed in the face. And he got sent off. Well, he actually got a second yellow though. Yeah, That's the key difference. Exactly. So. He's also not the goalie coming out to save as the last man. And that's the and that's the thing. If, I think if it's a penalty, you have then you run the, the decision of is it a double jeopardy, is it a red card, and a penalty. Which at that point, it's kind of tough to come back from that. So there's my story. A little sensitive. We lost that game in a game we should have won. And I wrote a very nasty letter to the NCAA to, to tell them to change their rules after Ouch. that. Well, there you go. Emma McConnell, always a member of the goalkeepers union since day one. I wasn't there, so I'll just I'll I will say my condolences to you and and to Tim Howard. And you're only and to Tim Howard. Your only red card. My only red card. There you go. The LA Galaxy hosted Atlanta United to no avail. Atlanta United goes in there and wins two nil. Uh, it was a solid debut for Ezekiel Barco, who essentially kind of took the place of Vialba in the starting eleven. Vialba is still out injured. Uh, I'm guessing when everyone is healthy, he'll push Lorenowitz out to the bench. I, I, you and I already talked about this a little bit, but like Lorenowitz is kind of important to what they do defensively. Putting Barco in, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to shoehorn him into the kind of player that I think he is. I, I obviously haven't seen that much of him outside of this game and his first appearance. Yeah. But I don't think he's putting in too many shifts defensively, and you start to kind of run into the issue of you have too many attacking players out on the field, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, we're seeing Darlington Nagby kind of play a box-to-box role. Nagby's going to have to be more defensive, I think, regardless of how this lineup kind of shakes out from now on. Because but does he become, do you put him at defensive mid? Like, I guess you could play two box-to-box guys. I could. You could s- maybe move Nagby to s- play as a six. I, he's too quick I, for me. I think, that, I think this is kind of why they went to the back three, the back five, maybe. You know, you get the extra center back, and now you have two wing backs. You know, Garza, who is known much more for his defensive than his attacking, and, you know, mm-hmm. Julian Gressel, who's just an absolute beast in every sense of the game right now. Yeah, fantastic. So, I, you know, perhaps they think that the work rate of those two wing backs will be the equivalent of, you know, that of midfielders and, you know, some some of the fullbacks. You add the center back, you have Darlington Nagby to put in a shift in front of them. Maybe that's enough defensive presence to play Barco, Vialba, Almiron, and Martinez at the same time. I, I don't think so. I think Vialba's headed for the bench. Oh, no. We, we saw them get rid of Assad, who we thought was a pretty important piece last year. He, Yeah, his price is high right now. I was just going to say, you have to play Barco. There's no way they're not. So. You have to play Barco. You basically have to play Almiron. You basically have to play Joseph You Martinez. can't not play Joseph Martinez either. That's ridiculous. So, um, yeah. And so what it kind of looks like to me is that kind of classic uh, Johan Cruyff formation with a diamond in the midfield. And to have that, you have to have a guy who's going to sit back, be the back of that diamond. And Does Nagby move to the bench, for and keep Lorenowitz out there? I know it's. I, I know it seems crazy, and I know that that's maybe rotate not. Rotate maybe. I mean, rotation's fine, but they like Nagby for like a specific, a specific purpose. It looked like this year. I. I would struggle to see that. That's that's crazy to me. I know, I, but we're trying to find solutions. And I mean, you don't have to stay with you know three, five at the back or whatever. You can go back to the four. The only thing is, we kind of saw it get exposed by Houston early on. So we're not sure if if that's you know. I mean, we haven't seen them back in the four man back line since then. So we we have nothing really to go off of if this is if this is yeah. you know truly what is fixing their defensive issues. I I like Viala, but. I think I'm going to like Barco a little bit more. Well, I mean, he looked pretty good out there, so it is going to be tough for me to argue that. Yeah. That is for sure. Uh, for the Galaxy, it was 90 minutes of Zlatan, no goals. They did get Giovanni Dos Santos back, but it seems like they lost Jonathan Dos Santos again. I'm not sure what happened to him. Apparently, he was a very late scratch. Yeah, I heard he, it was in the pregame. Yeah. That's, a, I think, a bigger That's a bigger problem, concern. For, that's concern, a concern for yeah. me because I'd much rather have Jonathan than Gio. 
Current in current form, absolutely. And in any form, to be honest with you, in any form, because even if Gio Dos Santos is playing at his best, I already have. If I'm you know uh, managing LA Galaxy, I already have attacking players who can you know create chances in the final third. And yeah, they struggled in this one, but like you know, like Sebastian Legette, Boateng. There, I already have... Romain Alessandrini. Yeah, I, I, well, Alessandrini seemed like it was kind of obvious, but you get the idea, right? I have those players already creating chances. and I'm with you. I, I just think that I need that extra protection behind them, especially with how bad the back line has been playing. I need Kitchen and Dos Santos, the Jonathan, to be in front of them because it just seems to me like if they lose any part of that identity, they don't, they don't keep the goals out of the net. I'm with you. It seems... I mean, could the question be moved to a three-man midfield? There's a lot of things surrounding Siggy Schmidt. I, I will say also this. Maybe it's time for Ola Kamara to head for the bench. Try to see what you can do with Slatan as the lone striker, especially if you're going to play Gio. I think if you're going to play Gio, you got to play Gio uh, behind Zlatan. I don't think you're going to play him on the wing. I don't think because that didn't look like it was going to work at all. Just looks like they've kind of made some purchases without thinking how they fit together. Well, to be fair, this is like the result of like three different different like mentalities almost. Like this started under Bruce Arena, and then that team never really gelled. And then he left to go coach the national team, and boy, did that work out well for the national team. The LA Galaxy also kind of fell off, and they, you know, they, they've they tried bringing in these other players to complement the Dos Santos brothers. They, you know, they had Gio, and then they brought in Jonathan. Now they've brought in Zlatan pieces that you know kind of mix and match together. They're okay, but I I don't know. I, we'll see. I mean, again, we all kind of got uh, blown away by Zlatan's appearance in that first game in the El Trafico, but now look at them right now. I think this is closer to the LA Galaxy team that they truly are. Well, so, okay, first game, yeah, two goals quick. Then Zlatan comes on a sub against Sporting Kansas City. Pretty ineffective. Nothing. Against Chicago Fire. He plays, he, he plays, starts. He plays pretty well. He, he gets four shots. He gets the most touches and passes of any forward in the game. But they still, but the team as a whole and didn't. his goal. wasn't that impressive. No, I, I and that's, that's the problem. Is and it was also gonna, a windy day. Like, I'm not trying to just discredit the Galaxy here, but I'm, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm guess concerned that this is like this is their reality that they're going to have weeks where yeah Zlatan's going to be electric and they're going to get the lead early and they'll be able to kind of make up for their defense by just holding back a little bit and then there are going to be weeks like this where let's face it Atlanta a much better team just went in there and did what they wanted Albi Rohn did everything in that midfield that he wanted to do in that game he's well, he, again he's a different beast but Zlatan is a bit of a forward who relies on service he's good with his feet but I don't know how often we're going to see him creating his own chances so it is going to come down to the other players who can support him Seattle Sounders, they hosted Minnesota United in a 3-1 victory. Uh, good result for Seattle, I'd say, at this point, because they've you know, they've kind of had a rough start to the season. It looks like they may finally be finding their goal-scoring boots, at least. Five goals in two games isn't bad. Uh, yeah. Doing it at home, too, on this one, uh, against a Minnesota team that looks like they're starting to put some pieces together, but the result's not really going their way. Um, and this is what we said in the beginning of the year, I think Seattle's going to bounce back. It looks like they're starting to bounce back. They still have work to do, uh, but it was a good result for them. Yeah, and uh, Christian Roldan was fantastic in this one. He had his two assists, and I think that going forward they're going to need that from not just Roldan but the other you know players there because it, it's clear to me that they're attacking forwards. It looks like we may also be heading towards the end of Clint Dempsey and being in the starting 11 no matter what. Mm-hmm. It may be that he also will have to transition yeah. to the super sub role, and we'll see how he deals with that. I think that there may be some changes have to be made, but if Seattle wants to – you know, change, turn things around this season, that's kind of how they're going to have to operate. Yeah, it's got to come from their midfield. I mean, their defense is pretty strong in general, 
We know that. But their defense is going to have to kind of isolate their own defense to support the forwards if they're going to want to have any goal output, what it looks like now. And just for Minnesota, I, I actually kind of feel bad for them just because I, I thought that they were starting to find something. This is the kind of loss that can kind of demotivate the players again because, uh, you know, it's kind of demoralizing to think that you're finally starting to put things together. You've got your star DP in, and then in the next game you get beaten down 3-1. Christian Ramirez was not in the starting 11. I think that he's a very important player for them. So if they can get him back in there, I think that they'll have better chances going forward. But they will need also to improve something on that back line. They did bring in Alexi Gomez. We'll see if maybe they want to put him in as a fullback. It's their 19th straight match without a clean sheet. Something's got to change there, too. Yeah, and... And on top of that, they lost Ethan Finley to a torn ACL out for that the season. That is bad, too, yes. So, yeah. some more piles, things piling on for Minnesota. They can't seem to catch a break, can they? No, no, they cannot. Portland Timbers, 2, NYCFC, 0. So, Portland perhaps having a turnaround of their own, the Cascadia turnaround. Yeah, I mean, these are. I still think these are two quality teams, but you look at the stats at that game. I mean, yeah, this is surprised weird. NYC didn't get one. I believe this is the first time in MLS history that a team has had less than a quarter of the possession and won the game by as many goals as Portland did. Uh, it, yeah, kind of baffling. I was kind of on and off this game because I had a bunch of work to do while I was watching it. I also said 2 nothing. It was 3 nothing. Yeah, we'll, we'll let it pass because he got it early. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, three goals. And, again, this is... We look at that, uh, I think it was the first, Sebastian Blanco yeah. on the header. 5-7, Sebastian Blanco wins a header in the box. Not the first time it's happened either. I would be furious. He up for a couple of these If I was Vieira, I would have signed the Arsenal contract immediately. Now, how crazy is that? That you would have signed that contract? No, 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 no. No, that Vieira possibly being the manager of Arsenal. I don't say it. I mean, do you? <laughs> uh, I'd be really surprised, but honestly, I kind of want it to happen just so that we can say that Emma McConnell at one point was scalded in a press conference by the Arsenal I manager. wasn't scalded. I was, what's the right word? Berated. Here? No, not berated. He, he didn't. Humiliated. No, no, no. You're going the wrong way about this. It was more like <laughs> um, scoffed at. He, he laughed at you he internally. Didn't laugh at, he didn't laugh at He me. laughed at you Mentally. internally. He, Honestly, I don't think his English was that great. I don't oh, think he actually don't. now you're yeah, going now to the confused more foreigner who doesn't know English. Typical Emma McConnell. But here's the other thing. The guy's basically working for Sheikh Mansour's Manchester City oh, team. Oh, so you think it's a conflict of interest of him perhaps to take that job. Yeah, I think that's kind of like going and coaching, going from Man City to coaching Arsenal. He's kind of have to have his... I, I doubt mean, it. Listen, I doubt they care. I really doubt Manchester City. Manchester City would probably say, you know what, Patrick, go ahead and take it, buddy. <laughs> he, he seems like he has a mission here that he wants to do in New York City, and he's trying to see it through. He he's, wants to lift MLS Cup in a in a baseball stadium because I'd love to see that. <sighs> Please don't. Please yes. don't. All right, I have a new goal: NYCFC having home field advantage through the playoffs and hosting MLS Cup. That why would you do this to me? Because I uh, look. Not to bury the lead here, NYCFC does suffer their first loss of the season, and there's only one team left unbeaten. It's FC Dallas, a team that we haven't been giving a ton of credit now. Granted, that's three wins and three draws for them, so yeah, it's not draws. not quite as impressive, perhaps, as the run NYCFC is on. I'm not sure why Vieira did cho- choose Rodney Wallace over Jesus Medina. I have no idea if Medina is injured, if he's just not fully fit for 90 minutes for some reason this week. But uh, I would hope that he never does that again, because Wallace was abject. I mean, Medina had a a solid week in the uh, double week against RSL in Atlanta. Yeah, he he got he got a good amount of time. It's Maybe it was he, he pulled rotation. up and yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, Rodney Wallace was a starter last year. Was an impact yeah. player, impact player for Costa Rica. I can see why he would do that, but Medina's playing really well. So 
Yeah. I would be su- I would be surprised if it continues that way. Yep. All right, we move on to the final tonight, CONCACAF Champions League, the last time. Well, second to last time, because I'm sure we'll still talk about it next week, even though the news will be a week old. Chivas up two goals to one over Toronto tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Toronto with a chance to accomplish what no MLS team has done before, but to do so they'll have to go through Guadalajara and score twice on a team that in the previous seven matches has only conceded two goals. Do they get the job done tonight, Emmett? Ooh, we, uh, I don't think so. I, I Listen, they, they've done it against, I hate to say it, but better teams in Tigres and Club America. They, but on the road, they weren't going out needing to get two goals and get a win, right? So they need to get two goals in this game, having given and up two. They're the, one, they're the aggressors now. They didn't have to, when the other games, they could sit in, they could defend, and just not give up goals because they came in with a lead. And Giovinco hasn't really impressed me, Sebastian. Uh, Josie Altidore hasn't really been that impressive. He had a nice pass for the assist in the last game. But it's really like Benasario, who's been like the big name for them. Yes, he's had a fantastic competition. Great for him, great for Toronto, but they're going to need to see more out of their big players. Uh, Here's the thing, they, they can concede the goal. And be and you know still it's not backbreaking. We, we talked about it a little last week. Yeah, it's not backbreaking, but it is debilitating in some sense because you, now you know that you're essentially scoring two for extra time. You're not scoring for the actually. I read it's directly to penalties. Oh yeah, Concacaf uh, Champions League has no extra time. I, f- I I maybe it's just been so long that a team actually went to extra time that I don't remember the rules. But there you go. So if there could very well be a penalty shootout after 90 minutes in this one. I'm not a fan of that. But it means that Toronto has to go out and give everything they yes, have. Yes, they do. Because every for ninety minutes, because they know there's not going to be stoppage time. And you definitely, and you don't, and you don't want to put it in the hands of a shootout. Not unless you know you're down a goal and there's two minutes left, and then you're just, you know, obviously you're playing for the shootout. Toronto, you you'd be okay with the shootout here. I I I don't think I want to put it. If Toronto, if Toronto believes this, I I am a firm believer that Toronto believes they are better than Chivas. They they should come into this game thinking they need to win. Because I honestly think playing for the penalties is the is a bad mentality. Maybe that should be the first goal. Maybe. To go in and say, okay, let's get the two that we need first. But it's a good result still. It is. It's it's a fine result, I suppose. Getting two goals on the road in a CONCACAF Champions League final to push that to uh, well, look, not over time. But we, I, I think that's still a good – it's nothing to hang your hat on. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. And, look, Chivas have only given up two goals in this entire competition. I was listening to people talk about it, and they mentioned the man marking being done by Chivas. Now, it's not something you see too much anymore of, you know, zone zonal marking on set pieces and stuff has become much more the norm. They they do full man-to-man almost the whole match. And it's, it's really interesting if you watch it, how it sort of plays out. And I would say it, how it maybe affects Toronto just a little bit. I mean, look, it may not always be the most effective tactic, but sometimes just doing something that the opponent really isn't ready for can sometimes uh, delay them enough. And look, I mean... Chivas, I don't think, has a better attack than Toronto. But in that first game, it's certainly you would think if you knew nothing about the teams that Chivas was the team with the attacking uh, might. Yeah. And well, here's the thing. You mentioned man-to-man marking on the set pieces. What it does do is it makes it harder to get a free header. So that's, I think, the, the plus and minus is you're more likely to lose your man. And, um, and if they do, they do get a free header. And that's... But when you're looking at uh, zonal marking, you, there's a loss of um, responsibility. Well, you know, the, whose ball is it to attack? Zonal marking, by definition, essentially leaves spaces open because, simply put, everyone cannot cover every single zone at the same time. 
Well, it, there are gaps, but if you do it well, if you do it well, really, it should usually work. It yes. should usually work. Just like I mean, it's just like the NFL, right? You know, there's zone coverage, and yes, there are pockets of space. That's such zone a bigger coverage. field to be covering with for eleven men. The, the point than is 11 the, men the, in the, the, the point box. is the same. The point is the same. Like the, there are pockets of space in zone that the best quarterbacks are always able to expose. But in reality, zone marking and zone coverage work because they cover the most. You know, the the biggest pieces of space possible to limit your windows to throw the ball. And here's and, the other part about it. it. Yeah, because soccer, okay, soccer, you have to use your foot, and you have to use it in a smaller area. This is true. Uh, but here's the thing with the man marking is now suddenly your goal isn't to win the header. In zone marking, that's kind of your goal. It's to stop the man and don't give them a free header. So suddenly you're getting into situations of things like, and, I, I like, the Austin Trusty thing. Hate to bring it back to that. <laughs> but now you're giving yourself open to that. I don't think that they're going to be as likely to call that at home in the CONCACAF Champions League final. But I, it's, I, it, 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 so listen, it's, it's, there's always a discussion about it, but it's been working for them. All right, let's give some love to Serie A, the only competitive league in Europe this season, pretty much by far. Uh, we, Which is weird to say because Juventus usually just dominates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Napoli was able to defeat Juventus on Sunday 1-0, closing the gap to just one point with four matches to go. Now, the, the schedules are pretty interesting because Napoli will have a games against Fiorentino away, Torino at home, Sampdoria at eight or away, and then eighth in the table, and then Crotone, who is a relegation candidate at home as the last game of the season. So essentially they have three mid-table teams and then a relegation candidate. Juve, on the other hand, will have to travel away to Inter Milan, who are fifth. <laughs> Bologna? Come on, man. You've been butchering these names. <laughs> Want me to go with it? Bologna? That's, I'm, I'm running with Bologna. I don't care that it's Bologna. It's, <laughs> you missed Sampdoria <laughs> and Crotone. Inter Milan, Bologna. They have uh, Bologna, a uh, Coppa Italia final against AC Milan. Because of the World Cup, I'm pretty sure has been pushed to a midweek fixture, by the way. And uh, then they're at Roma at the uh, Stadio Olimpico. And then home to Verona. So what I was trying to say earlier was that, to break it down, there are three mid-table opponents and one relegation candidate for Napoli. Then there are two upper table for Juve, one mid-table, and then one relegation candidate. To top it all off, then also a cup final, which, you know, I, I don't know how big the Coppa Italia is over there. I've, you know, I'm sure that Juve would like to not lose. Yeah, you're going to assume they're going to have to put everything out there. Yeah, you don't want to lose it, especially when the, the league is no longer guaranteed. And you've been knocked out of the Champions League again. Yeah, in, in such a disappointing weird manner. fashion, yeah. Um, so, something to keep in mind, Napoli doesn't exactly have the easiest schedule. Um, Fiorentina's kind of perennial, perennially a solid team. They've kind of been leaked. All their players just kind of fell out, uh, which is why they've fallen down. Torino... Is a dangerous team. We've got some good forwards, but I can't. I have to imagine Torino isn't exactly going to give it their all this time to see their rivals <laughs> in the city lose. Uh, Sampdoria was a good Europa League team this was, year. Was it was it Buffon's kid that uh, is a Torino fan? Somebody's somebody's you somebody on Juve sense, has yeah. a kid that's a uh, Torino fan and like cried when they brought him up for the celebration <laughs> last year. Yeah, so it's like okay, so not exactly the hardest games, but then we go to Juventus. Inter Milan, the Derby dell'Italia. Away. Away at the San Siro. That's a mass. And this is an Inter Milan team that's trying to stay in Europa League slash push into Champions League. Much stronger than they've been in the past. That is one of the biggest games every year. 
not even. I in thought Italy. you were say ever. Not even in. <laughs> I mean, this might be, but like not only in in Italy, but in Europe, the Derby, Derby d'Italia is massive, and there's a lot of hatred between those two teams. Yeah, and, let me tell you. And you you mentioned it. I want to I want to kind of highlight the idea here for Inter Milan. Not, this is not a nothing game for them. Not just the Derby, but they are. Just one point behind both Lazio, who are in fourth, and Roma, who are in third. They want to play in the Champions League. They want to rebuild that reputation. They put a lot of money into that team to get into the Champions exactly. League. And so every this time is, they don't get it, it's a failure. Exactly. So this is their chance to sort of see that come to light. And then, uh, you know, and again, a cup final is should be reason enough, you would think. But remember, AC Milan currently sits seventh. And if my math is correct, I believe that's still enough for a Europa League spot if this doesn't work out. Because I believe there will be two league places in Italy for the Europa League and then a third for the winner of the Coppa Italia. So I'm pretty sure it works out for them either way. But I'm guessing they'd probably rather have the direct bid into the group stage for the oh, Europa League. You better bet that AC Milan is going into that game thinking... Plus the team also without a lot of hardware recently. They're going to take... Yeah, they, they need this one. That's going to be big for them. Huge, huge for their coach, Gennaro Gattuso, who seems to get a lot out of his players, really respect him. Um... Okay, so you, so you have those games. You have you have uh, your favorite Baloney, who, <laughs> you know. I I'm not that uncultured. Say. For anybody wondering, I do know it's pronounced Baloney. You did it again. <laughs> it is pronounced Baloney. My God. I, I'm sorry. What language are we reading this in? Uh, it's Italian. I don't I, know. I don't care what language they think they're speaking. I know what language I'm speaking. Um, then they have to go. Culturally insensitive podcast. Okay. We're going to skip past that. Go into, they have to go into <laughs> Rome now. A team that has proven themselves now in the Champions League semifinal, not exactly the best result this week, but they've proven they can get goals. And this is another team that hates Juventus, and that kind of all comes from Rajanine Golan. At, at this point, does everyone maybe have built up some res- some he, resentment to them? No, I don't, the domination I hate, of the league, and then... I hate to make this like comparison, but Juventus is kind of like the you know, the Dallas Cowboys. It's like the, the, the nation's <laughs> oh, team. Oh, boy. Uh, it's a team that... Manchester United England is that in that way... For a lot of people too, I know some Londoners who are Manchester United fans, and it kills me. That's insane. How but, do they even get out of their houses? Well, the thing with Juve is they've basically been the team that had the most national team players, right? Yeah. They had Bonucci. They had Barzali. They had so Real Madrid. Chiellini. Yeah. It's like in Barcelona in their glory days, and they had Xavi and Iniesta and Busquets in the midfield and uh, PK, but and uh, uh, Carlos Puyol. The idea here is though that. Rajanine Golan hates Juventus. His friend and midfield partner, Milan Pjanic, went there, and he tore him apart. So you have two teams that hate Juventus in Roma and Inter Milan. I'm sure every team at this point does and wants to you know, claim a scalp. It's going to be an exciting finish. Yeah, I'm really excited to kind of watch it. And uh, I believe BN Sports has started to put a little more presence of Serie A on TV because, I, you know, I know Juve Napoli is a, about the biggest game Serie A had this season, so they put that on TV. I'm guessing... We'll see that kind of trend more. You know, La Liga is basically coming to an end. Barcelona's going to win it. Uh, the only real big game there left is the Clasico and the Madrid derby. Yeah, that so, already happened. So never mind. Well, but yeah, one big game left. It's like it's just so exciting because I'm a, I'm a, someone who likes Italian football, and it's like it's finally exciting. It's always gotten this like reputation of it's it's always Juve, but Napoli. That, that game was so exciting. Napoli was great to it's watch. So fun to watch. Yeah. And we talk about zonal marking, Kalidou Koulibaly header was he got up I think he's over the crossbar and he headed that that's why zonal marking doesn't work because <laughs> you can't you plan for, from you can't man like you that. can't plan on people flying yeah, yeah that's fair so uh just give me straight up who's winning the Serie A title 
I really want it to be Napoli, but I, I think it's Juventus. I think they have the heart. They have the history. Uh, I think they're going to pull through again. I hate to say it. I actually think Napoli will pull it off, but we'll see. Uh, I want to jump to England because last week we apparently neglected to mention that Manchester City did clinch the title. Uh, it's been sort of an afterthought for some time now. We so. kind of knew that was happening since we all did. The, the more fall. the more important thing that happened, of course, this weekend, the FA Cup final is set. Manchester United take on Chelsea. Should be as stressful as they come. Who do you think's going to win this one? Chelsea are going to win, and Conte's going to celebrate with the title, and we're all going to go home happy. I said, who do you think's going to win? Not I, that does your heart hope you, win? You know what? You know what? This is the kind. Of, this is Conte's game right here. Even if this is the end, he's going to go out a winner. Do you think this is his end here if he wins this? I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't Champions pretend League to know what happens. Doesn't seem like it's going to nah, happen. Tottenham will find a way to bottle that too. Eh, I mean, they certainly they left the door creaked open just a little bit. But how many? You guys are so many points back. I They're just five points back and one more loss by Tottenham. One more. One more is five points. One more, and no, well, no, but one more, and it puts the pressure on them for real. And they, uh, anyway, yeah. this is Chelsea's game of the season, I think. I, it's, it's everybody. It's both teams' games of the season too, because Mourinho kind of needs this one too. True. I don't think I don't think it rescues his reputation. I, you know, far be it from me to say that Jose Mourinho in an FA Cup final is now in the most important game. But it's silverware. But it's we silverware, it. and he's going to continue to need that going forward if his team isn't competing for the league, which it didn't this season. Well, you're not going to hear nobody this often. did. Eric, but I'm pulling for you and Chelsea. Thank you. My sister's a Chelsea fan. My mom is a Chelsea fan. Oh, so, so, it's so not what that happened I can't to you? Stand Chelsea. It's just that why would I root for that team? Whatever. I have no anyway. Whatever. It's United who I can't root for. Chelsea, I can pull them a couple of times. You know what? I'm just hoping Alvaro Morata scores. You know, a goal. That guy's got <laughs> a shot. He needs a couple. Just uh, briefly, what happened in the Champions League this week? So Liverpool and Roma had a pretty much a barn burner, I guess, in the sense that Liverpool kind of t- took them down. And it was a 5-2 victory for Liverpool. I, they, I, they went in there and just, Mohamed Salah took, took Roma to the ground there. He, he was explosive as can be. I mean, do we expect anything different? No, I don't. And he, he, he earned that PFA Player of the Year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every once in a while you think, Okay, someone's going to stop him. Juan Jesus is pretty quick. Maybe he'll no. stop him. Nobody could stop. That man was on a mission. The whole Liverpool team was. They, they play incredible when they're on their, when they're on their night like I that I just would have thought Roma would have put a little bit more effort into defending. <laughs> Maybe. Well, they got two goals away. They, hey, you know, they only need another three, a 3-0 victory. Hey, and you know what? I'm going to say this now. I didn't think they would do it after Barcelona. <laughs> they're not so, doing it here either, but I, it's going to be a little more interesting. I don't interesting. think they're going to do it again, but given the history of two comebacks... I don't know. It's, it's we'll see. possible. It's possible. We'll see. It's possible. It'll be interesting for sure. A little more interesting happen. than perhaps your normal three-goal cushions. Yes, of course. The other one happened today. Bayern Munich hosted Real Madrid. Real Madrid goes to Munich and wins 2-1. We're actually joined by a prospective graduate student. Drake Hills, that is me. Thank you for the very brief introduction. But <laughs> The no, band needs no introduction. We're, we're going we're gonna to get right into it. I mean, the fact that... Madrid can come in. They're they're on pretty good form, especially in La Liga. However, uh, Champions League, they it's almost like they came in there with a certain agenda. Bayern were able to get a goal in. It's almost like the Allianz Arena, that, that home turf feeling, was going to get them over the hump, especially in the first leg. Going back to the Santiago Bernabeu is going to be something even more challenging for the Reds. So it was a pretty... Very, very surprising result, especially the fact that they were able to get a goal. I can easily see Madrid setting up shop where they just 
absorb all that counter, especially from Robin, Ribéry, uh, Thiago, many of the likes, especially that front three that's playing behind Lewandowski and that, that very popular 4-2-3-1 that they play. But them scoring, goal, uh, scoring a goal and then also losing the match is pretty contradictory uh, as someone who watch, watches Bayern very frequently. So it'll be pretty pretty tough for the Reds to get back to the Bernabeu and be able to not only score a goal, but also to get two just to have that insurance policy. I mean, this is Real Madrid team. is a team that I guess just loves playing in Europe because they just <laughs> they can't, can't be stop. beaten, it but seems, in Europe. We're, on that note, let's not forget their leg against Juventus last week. Not last week, last round. Uh, they, Feels they, like last week. Yeah, two weeks ago. It it's not that, that far. Yeah. Not However that far. long ago the game was, they won 3 nothing at Juventus Stadium. I think it's also Allianz Stadium. Um, it is. This is true. Uh, I think we're getting another one in the United States pretty soon, actually. That's Allianz Field? Well, you can't. They can't all be named the same. I mean, if you Google <laughs> it. But 2-1 is not nearly as hard to go into Madrid and get a result as 3 nothing was. And Juve, a team that, and let's be honest, has way less attacking talent than Bayern Munich. Way less isn't fair, but they have less. I mean, I'm, I'd be much more afraid of a striker. I guess both strikers are pretty good, but... Kai, Tiago's one of my favorite midfielders, so I'm just going to say that. He's, and he's a guy who doesn't like Real Madrid. You know he's going to control that game. I, I see it more likely than Roma coming back, but again, we've seen that already. So Well, if you go back into the last, the last stage where Tiago was able to step in into that midfielder role in that second leg at home to close up shop, and it was a nil-nil draw, and you definitely saw him take a hold of that midfield where you had a lot of Sevilla's players start tracking back, especially um, Ben Yader, which it, you know obviously he's been famous for this past couple of months, scoring though that that famous goal at Old Trafford against Manchester United to have Sevilla go through, and that is simply based off of how Thiago is able to dictate how he weaves through. He plays one touch football, especially he plays around his center halves pretty frequently, which a lot of people don't really understand because they may think that he's playing with his back to his own goal. However, he can often take the ball from his own defensive third and bring it and have everyone come with him as they advance up the field. I don't think that he can do that. And especially with Madrid's, you know, Modric, Casemiro, Kroos, I don't think that he'll be able to do that solely. He's going to need a lot of help with whether it be Robin, Ribéry, coming inside from the wings or maybe playing with a second that can help him and not just be, I guess, a one versus three battle. I think with Real Madrid, the reason why they're doing so well in Champions League is because, you know, they have arguably the best manager in the world next to Pep Guardiola in terms of their tactics. He switches up his tactics pretty well, especially his starting 11. And I know that might that's a hot take that somebody <laughs> may, may second second Ooh. best tied with the best and I'm arguing that tied? Yeah, he's tied with the best because tied of his tactics. His tactics. If you take a look at how he sets know. up his shop, if you set if he, the way he sets up his team, he changes it from week to week based off of his own I have to give him needs. Some, I don't want to cut you off, but I I have to give him some credit. It's kind of hard to argue with how many times they they can't the when was the last who was the last team that eliminated Real Madrid from the Champions League cuz I honestly can't remember now. And, and arguably no, he does it never. never? 
Well, I don't know about never, never, but like never um, in this. Didn't like, Atletico current... win the Champions League? Nope. No. If you forgot, they, Sergio Madrid Ramos. defeated them. Yeah, Twice. Sergio Ramos with the header, and then Gareth Bale the, the next year. Atletico won the league then. And Atletico won the league that season. They actually yeah. almost did what would honestly be the craziest double of all time. I think. Yeah. But I will give Pep Guardiola the heads up because he's doing it with lesser players and lesser quality players. If you take a look at Madrid's bench, especially in that Juventus, you know he had Lucas Vasquez. He had. Um, Carvajal, he had, um, who else was, there was there was three or four players he could have easily started. He has a problem where he could, if they could play 18 players at once, he would. That's how much quality that Real Madrid, Real Madrid have. And I don't think that Manchester City has that amount of quality. I think that they have a solid 12 or 13 players that deserve to be in every weekend starter for the Blues. But that's why that, that's why Pep is such a better coach. Because, yeah, okay, a bit of a headache for Zidane to, to pick a team, like to be able to pick players. But You mean with the he, fans constantly breaking down his door, demanding he be fired and after manage. losing twice? Keyword manage. He, I think Pep Guardiola is the best coach and the best football mind in the world at the moment. However, I think that Zinedine Zidane is one of the best managers we've seen in the, in the past, I would say, three or four seasons, the way he holds everyone together and has everyone buy into the system. If you take a look at the the battle against Juventus, he simply swapped players. He would take one player off, whether it be Bale or whether it be Carvajal, and he would put on he put on Lucas Vasquez and Lucas Vasquez ends up helping Ronaldo get that that goal to basically start the rut where they defeated Juventus. That's something that you can't do all the times. A lot of the times you look at whether it be Carlo Ancelotti what he used to do with Madrid. Or you take a look at other managers, maybe someone like Antonio Conte, someone like Arsene Wenger. May oh, he, boy. may he, you know, may the, he retire in peace. I was gonna say we did, we did also did not give our formal congratulations to Arsene Wenger on his uh, retirement from Arsenal, not necessarily from all football, just Arsenal. Just from yeah. Arsenal. Uh, a lot oftentimes you'll see managers have to switch up a little bit. If you take a look at the way that Madrid played, especially in that second leg against Juventus, he didn't have to switch one thing, especially the way his team would counterattack. They'd play through the middle, but once they received possession, if Juventus were to, you know, they they didn't do it a lot. They didn't do it a lot, but once they were able to get to that final third and they were to either lose possession or have Madrid basically create a save, they would instantly go out through the wings, and that's with Lucas Vasquez doing the exact same thing that Gareth Bale can do with that flair. That's something that you can't do with most clubs. I guess we'll yeah. see. It's, uh, they get the result in Juventus, so I'll give it to them there. Yeah. But, but that's it. That's all the time we have here on the American Soccer Show. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher for all your American soccer talk. Until next week, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor signing off.